Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Be Diverse podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. Do organizations always look to hire for what they call a culture fit? This has been a trending theme in HR for a while now. It is hard to expect any candidate to just walk into any organization and and understand what the company culture is from day one. Onboarding new employees into the culture and implementing ongoing culture training for incumbent employees is an important way to keep your organization's values front and center. Once a new hire is onboarded, keeping high-performing, motivated, authentic, and innovative employees engaged and invested has a direct impact on performance and creating the ultimate company culture. So today, I decided it would be fun to discuss how important it is to develop a culture during the onboarding processes. To help us navigate through this important topic, I was lucky to bring on someone who knows a thing or two about this subject. Her name is Kate Teves. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, Kate is the founder and CEO of the HR Pro. She's a licensed HR professional and a skilled recruiter. Kate also lends her knowledge to young and upcoming professionals in the world of business and is a part-time professor at Humber College for the International Entrepreneurship and Business Development Postgraduate Program. With 10 years of practical HR experience spanning across various industries, she brings a wealth of knowledge to the world of real estate. She's always loved the world of business, but she knows that the core of every business is its people. That is what made her want to become an HR professional and eventually create the HR Pro. Welcome to the show, Kate. It's a pleasure having you on again. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. How have things been? (laughs) Well, we've been busy, but good busy. So obviously quite a few things on the go, but that's always a good thing. That's something that I quite enjoy. So yeah, how have things been with you? Well, they've been good. I think that I just celebrated New Year's Eve a minute ago. So no, things have been good. I've had a lot of Zoom calls and phone calls and meetings and I've been doing some podcast taping. So things have been pretty good. Well, that sounds like you're doing really well, my friend. Well, we got to keep ourselves busy. I've been making quite a few contacts. So I'm kind of building myself a pretty good community there, which I'm pretty excited about. Absolutely. So... As you know, before we begin, Kate, I always have a fun question to ask our guests Mm -hmm. to get things going. Are you ready for yours? Sure. (laughs) So, Kate, I've heard you mention sports before a few times. Mm -hmm. So I know you are a bit of a competitive person. Mm -hmm. So that's why I came up with this one. So you were competing in the Great Canadian Baking Show. What cake or pie are you making to win the competition? Ooh, that's a that's a really good question. I am not a baker. 
I am the most abysmal baker you will ever meet in your life. <laughs> I can burn literally Pillsbury Doughboy cookies bought from the grocery store. So, uh, I yes, but I guess if, if I would be making something to win some sort of a competition, I guess I'm going to have to put on my competitive hat. And I'm probably going to try something like a tiramisu or something really decadent oh. and delicious. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Certainly never won any baking competition in my life. I'm just happy that the people that live in my house are still alive. Uh, so we'll go with that. <laughs> okay. Well, tiramisu is, is a very good dessert. Mm-hmm. So knowing you, Kate, I'm pretty sure you would figure it out. And I'm sure you would come up with a good misu for everybody to enjoy. Well, thank you. I appreciate the vote of confidence. <laughs> no problem. So, Kate, let's get started here. So, for those who have not uh, been lucky enough to have met you before, Kate, or heard you on a past episodes, why don't we start off by today by you telling us a little, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I think the introduction was actually pretty all-encompassing. I do have my own HR consulting company that I've had for about two and a half years now. But before that, I had background in corporate HR. So from the fashion industry to the construction industry to food production and anything in between. And so we've really sort of touched on a whole bunch of different things when it comes to recruitment, retention, onboarding, employee engagement, and then of course, managing employees out as well as a part of that. And, you know, we worked with many great companies and different providers and things like that. So I, I feel like that gave me a really well-rounded sort of perspective of the role of, of an HR generalist or an HR specialist. So that is why I decided to, at some point, uh, open up my own company. And so I focus primarily on small and medium-sized businesses, usually sort of in the self-employed industry, but people, those individuals who employ others to support them. That might mm-hmm. not have necessarily a lot of in-depth knowledge of Canadian labor codes and things like that. So we support them and make sure that they stay compliant and that they have all of the information at their fingertips. And as you mentioned, I also teach part-time as well, which is a very rewarding role. How are you enjoying me so far? It's great. It's really interesting. Very, very bright individuals that I have who are all already graduate students, so they already have their bachelor's degree. So these are very determined group of international students who are really looking to make a difference in the world. So it's it's wonderful. Wonderful. What made you decide to take on that venture? Well, it's a great question. Actually, when I went to university, I wanted to be a teacher. And then I realized I can't actually teach children because they don't have the patience to do that. And they misbehave quite often in the classroom, right? And so I kind of gave up on that dream and went into a different direction. And it was interesting when Humber actually approached me to be able to teach that. And now that I'm teaching adults, I am noticing a big difference because they're very interested in learning. And they're obviously paying really good money to come to Canada and to learn. And so I'm paying attention. They're engaged. They're really there to absorb the information as opposed to, you know, most kids in grade five or six, let's say. For sure. So when I talk to people in the industry or even regular everyday working people for that matter, one word that comes up often when people are looking into new opportunities is the word culture. So in your humble opinion, what does culture culture mean to an organization's onboarding process? 
you know that a strong culture or a well articulated culture I should say can make a company more attractive to job seekers make them more likely to accept the job offer right so right off the bat in terms of recruitment that's your important piece and obviously a cost saving piece as well because you don't want to be sort of spinning your wheels recruiting all the time and you have the onboarding piece and of course culture you know onboarding is the process of introducing new employees to the organization its culture and its values so it's sort of a how do we take this new employee this fresh blood of human how do we integrate them with the existing pieces of the puzzle and a positive culture can really help employees feel welcome and valued while you know a negative culture can make them feel very uncomfortable and unwelcome because they're probably going to quit very soon right this really impacts obviously engagement and productivity in the new role or even if you're already there right like retention is also closely tied to culture culture promotes open communication and collaboration and learning right so that employees feel engaged and motivated in their in their jobs which leads to higher job satisfaction and obviously lower turnover rate which is perfect for us as HR specialists because we don't have to recruit as much and then on the flip right. side you you have negative culture that can lead to disengagement and high turnover rate which is going to cost the company a whole lot of time and money and resources right Mm-hmm. So I think culture is important. I think it's really important for the organization to define what that culture is though because a lot of I hear a lot of people just like you mentioned. I hear a lot of people refer to culture, but what is it, right? Like it's a living breathing organism and that changes with every employee that walks in through the door, right? We we as HR professionals, we all had that issue where we hire somebody who seems amazing and then all of a sudden they start to turn and they're like the the bad apple that just spoils everything else right so i think in my opinion culture needs to be very clearly defined by the organization and it needs to be embedded in what this organization is because it's one thing to mm-hmm. say hey we have a really inclusive really welcoming really fantastic culture mm-hmm. you know but if if you don't have that in reality then there's going to be a huge disconnect and those employees are still going to continue to quit after just a few short weeks or months i totally agree with what you said one of my big words that i've enjoyed lately is community i believe that an onboarding process can create a good culture and community within the work environment and i just see a lot of companies that don't have that onboarding process it's almost like okay you're starting today go sit with this person we'll throw you in and see how you do type mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and like you said before i totally agree it it's more work on the company because you know a lot of people will just see that they'll go oh my god this is crazy this is not for me and they don't last very long so now the company has to relook for somebody and start all over right Yeah, I, I think as HR managers or leaders, I always think back to sort of some of the most amazing onboarding experiences that I've had as an employee, and then some mm-hmm. of the worst ones, right? And even mm-hmm. though I'm somebody who thrives very much in the sink or swim, right, like baptism by fire kind of a scenario, I'm perfectly fine with that. Most people aren't, right? And so most people get very discouraged and demotivated, and I see that as an HR specialist all the time. And so as opposed to having a really great, very smooth, very sort of welcoming and logically flowing onboarding. Yes, I know it takes resources from the company's side, but you only really have to invest in that once, right? And then it's there mm-hmm. and it just keeps paying dividends with every hire. Mhm. So, 
So, Kate, now that we've established that, do you think it's important to develop a culture in the onboarding process? Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's not just up for the up to the HR manager to potentially develop that and establish it. You know, you really need to involve other people in what each department culture is like. You know, what it is that makes them happy to come to work, or you know, get to know what makes them unhappy. And so, in, including employees, like I feel like culture is sort of a three sixty approach to satisfaction, right? So you talk to the manager, you talk to the senior leadership, ask them what they have to what they want to accomplish, what they want the culture of the company to look like. And then you start building out the processes to help each and every team member get there. So like I said earlier, it's definitely a very time consuming process for sure to build culture, to articulate it, to build the tools for proper onboarding. But it is absolutely worth it because if you think about sort of the investment in all of that process, and I do mean the entire process, not just onboarding, but the the recruitment piece as well and how we really introduce the company to the potential new employee, you know, the return on that investment is like for every dollar you spend, it's like $4 you get back. So that's an insane ROI if you think about it. So definitely worth it and definitely needs to be done. Absolutely. And for sure. So what are some ways that leadership can, can develop processes that will help the onboarding of new employees? That's a great question. I mean, it's a, it depends how elaborate you want to make it. It depends on the role as well, right? I mean, every role has different onboarding processes, and some of them take weeks. Some of them are only a couple of hours. And I think, you know, if I was to kind of look at it from a general and average sort of standpoint for a role, um, you know, it, it starts off with really and truly how the company presents itself online, right? Because now most job seekers look online to find out whether or not they even want to apply for this company, right? Mm-hmm. So that's an important piece. Then you get into the how do we structure the job description or the job ad, right? What do we tell candidates about ourselves? Is it consistent with what the website says, right? What are we looking for? And then we get into, of course, the interview process. And I mean, the interview process shouldn't be more than three interviews, I would say, right? And maybe four mm-hmm. if you're senior leadership. But for the most part, you know, there's nothing necessary about six interviews and, you know, three different personality assessments and references and, 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 right? So, mm-hmm. so we, you know, we really exhaust the candidate by asking basically too many questions, some of which aren't actually relevant to the employment. So the, the pre-boarding process, really, right? you know, how we introduce our leadership in an, in an interview or how we introduce ourselves in the interview, you know, all of these things. And then, of course, once we do decide to potentially extend the offer of employment to them, it's that, you know, very nice welcome email that we send out, letting them know how excited we are, right? And then, of course, the orientation piece itself, right? So all of the how do we introduce this employee to other employees within the company do we have everything ready do we have stuff set up for them to start sort of work you know do we have information about them do we have information about our other people that we can buddy them up together right so all of these things that kind of say hey don't worry we got you we're really excited for you to be here let us walk you through the processes no need to be nervous we'll buy you lunch on your first day you know what i mean here's the coffee station you throw in a joke in there Everybody feels naturally at ease. And then they come home and they tell their partner or whoever it is, their roommates, and says, 
I've just joined the most amazing company. I could, like, it's my day one, and I, I've never been happier in my life, right? For sure, for sure. I totally agree with you as far as consistent. I think if you are going to develop a onboarding process, I think it needs to go the way it was set up. So if you're going to set up, if you're going to put processes in, and if you're going to introduce an employee, and if you're going to have them follow, if it's a two-hour process or a week-long training process that you should think be consistent and it should be depending on the job or position it should be similar for every new employee yeah you know kind of fitting in here and there yeah Yeah. like fitting in if it has to be different areas or different things or whatever but setting it up so that the like you said that the person goes home and they see their family or their loved one and they asked the first thing is how was your first day and you want them to be like oh my god like it was so great i really enjoyed it i'm gonna like it there you don't want them coming home like eh, it was all right type thing you want them to be excited about the, the opportunity for sure yeah exactly that's exactly it so kate if there was one thing the last few years have shown us is that mental health affects all of us in different ways so many employees are simply not comfortable disclosing any type of mental health issues. In many situations, it is assumed that employees are okay, but I can assure you that a lot of them are not. So do you think that it is that it is just leadership that is fully responsible for creating a positive onboarding culture, or is it a collective process? Well, I think leadership definitely plays a really big part in that because they not only have to you know, lead that part of the process, but also to demonstrate it with everything that they have as well, right, in terms of fairness and inclusivity. But I do think that, of course, employees in the department also play a big role, but so does the person that's being onboarded. Right? I think it's, again, it's sort of that 360 responsibility model, the same way that we look at the workplace, right? It is everyone's responsibility to participate and to report and to alert others, right? So, mm-hmm. so it's the same idea, because I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in your experience, I know I have. <coughs> the person just isn't comfortable for whatever reason. They don't feel like they've joined the right company, they're having second thoughts, they might have other offers on the table, and all of a sudden it doesn't matter how nice we are or how welcoming, right? Something Mm -hmm. isn't clicking for them. And I wouldn't necessarily blame it on always on mental health, right? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's just not a fit, and that's okay. We, you know, we we can walk walk away from this our separate ways, making sure that everyone's happy and and sort of well at the end of the day. I totally agree with you as far as leadership goes. I think it's very important. I used to play that game when I was a kid. There followed a leader. So the leader of the department or the company is going to have everybody follow what they're what they want. So if they are strong and if they are compassionate and empathetic right from the get-go then when the new employee comes in, they're going to see that environment and they're not going to be going into an environment where people are unhappy or they're not enjoying their job or not enjoying coworkers. You want that person entering into a 
an atmosphere that is friendly and, like I said, empathetic. And especially if they have concerns of, or if they have a mental health issue, that they know that they're walking into a comfortable situation. So I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Kate, if I was to ask you to use one word to describe yourself to the listeners today, what would you? What would it be? It's a great question. I think approachable is a good word. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've always made myself available to other people, so that you know, employees. We all know that there's a stigma out there. People are usually employees are typically terrified of HR, and they don't want to do and have anything to do with them. They don't want to be in their office. They don't. Because if they're sitting in HR's office, it seems like they're either complaining or they're getting fired, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's something that we try to stay away from, I think, very naturally. But I've always made it a point to say, if you have any issues or concerns or if there's something that you need to kind of get off your chest that you're not sure if it's an HR issue or if it's not, just come to me, right? My door's always open. My phone's always on. Give me a call. If there's something that's like... You know, even if it's personal, I need to know about it because at the end of the day, if you're missing work because you are going through a divorce, for example, right? I need to know about these things, not just from an HR standpoint, but from a human standpoint so that we can accommodate you, right? If you don't tell me why you're missing work, there's a good chance that you're going to end up getting some sort of a write-up or performance-related issue or attendance-related issue. Meanwhile, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on on the back end that you didn't want to disclose, right? That we could have worked with you to accommodate to make sure that you are okay, that you're still getting paid, and, and that you have a job to come back to, you know, if you need to take a little bit of a break, right? So I think approachable is, is what I'm going to stick with here. Okay. Well... Kate, I'm going to surprise you tonight. I asked every this question to every guest that I have. Yes. And I purposely asked them, and I pick a word that I f see for them. Okay. So the word that I've chosen for you, Kate, is driven. Why I've chose that is because I find you so determined to succeed. And I also find you uh, very uh, hi highly energetic and always motivated. So that's the word I chose for you. I will take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just from all the time that we've been talking, it took me a while to kind of figure out the best word for you, and <laughs> that's what I came up with today. Well, I will take it. It's called a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just today. <laughs> if any of our listeners want to get a hold of you, Kate, how might they do so? They can find our information on our website, which is www.thrpro.ca. And you can also email me directly at info at thrpro.ca. Or you can also find us on social media, of course, LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, the main one. Wonderful. Well, on behalf of myself and Kate, I want to thank everybody for listening today. And until next time, be safe. And remember... If we all work together, we can accomplish anything. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Andrew. You're welcome. <laughs>